Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Richard Newman. Richard is an award-winning expert in leadership communication and storytelling. He began his research back in 1995 and has quite a story to tell. Richard and his team have trained over 100,000 people from 46 different countries around the world and his passion lies in helping people improve the way they communicate. And I'm sure he can teach me a thing or two as well. And I'm really looking forward to having Richard on the podcast today. Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Richard Newman. How are you, Richard? Uh, very good, Paul. Thank you very much. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, really, really good. I mean, it, it's the end of the week, so I'm, I'm quite ready for the weekend now. Um, what, what have you been up to this week? How's your week panned out? Uh, yeah, my, my week's been interesting, actually. I've been uh, recovering from jet lag because I've had a couple of trips to the States uh, back and forth. So I, I was in Seattle a couple of weeks ago, and then I came back for the weekend uh, to spend time with my family. And then I went back to the States again to Orlando uh, for a few days and then came back. So my body's been all over the place. Wow. And so uh, looking after my mindset has been more of a challenge this week than, than usual. Yeah, oh, I, I bet you. I bet you that, that's quite a lot of travel this week. So... I mean, you know, going from what must have been obviously doing quite a bit of travel before lockdown to being locked down, and and now I guess the the, the skies are back open. Are you, are you enjoying it? You know, going from lockdown to to getting back in front of people. I am. I must say that uh, you know I've I've enjoyed the challenge during uh, lockdown of shifting everything to virtual working, which we never did before. So uh, to give some context, in in two thousand and nineteen. Uh, we, as a company, as a sort of a relatively small company, we were spending about £300,000 a year just on flights for people in our team to go around the world. And uh, I would be taking about 50 flights per year, going all the way across Europe, Middle East, uh, going across the Americas to Australia uh, and back. And then where we'd never done anything virtual. And then when, when the lockdown hit, we then had to figure out how do we transform everything that is very much in person to a virtual situation and still engage people and still coach them and still make it valuable. Yeah. And so uh, I, I did enjoy that challenge and I enjoyed doing less travel, less jet lag and more time with my children. Uh, <laughs> but it is, it, it's something that I realized is that we can help our clients to get about 80% of the value, maybe 70% of the value sometimes times of what we can do face to face but there's nothing like actually being in a room yeah. uh, with a group of people uh, which is why I did uh, fly to Seattle a couple of weeks ago just to do a day's work with about 10 people because the results I can generate for them being in person are tremendous and it's great to see them and connect with them uh, and get that kind of impact yeah no, it makes sense make, it makes absolute sense I'm and it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we've all had to adapt and, you know, the world looks so different now compared to what I used to. So, so as, as you know, I always start the podcast with, with your story and in, in your words, basically. So, you know, initially it's kind of a over to you. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, my story uh, I'll aim to do in, in a nutshell of sorts is uh, that, you know, I've been really working on uh, where I'm at today uh, and the build up towards it for about the last 40 years. Uh, so I'm 45 at the moment. And back when I was uh, about five years old, I uh, just before my fifth birthday, 
I was you know, a really happy child. I had a group of friends. I uh, was you know, skipping on the way to school. And then my parents moved uh, to a new part of the country where I didn't know anybody. And uh, when, I, when I joined this new class, I found it very difficult to connect with anyone, uh, very difficult to find a way to communicate. I, I describe it to people as if I was living in a glass bubble, unable to connect with those around me. And it would be it would be another sort of uh, 39 years after that that I would eventually be diagnosed with uh, autism, high functioning autism. And so I didn't realize what it was at the time that was preventing me from having these connections and communication with people around me uh, that I might have uh, otherwise been able to, to do. And so I was always fascinated throughout my childhood with communication. What was this skill that I was missing? What was it that I needed? And I started to read books around it and uh, to to research it. And this led me to when I was 18, I sort of had university offers. I had places that I could go to, but I decided to turn them all down. And I went to live in the foothills of the Himalayas in a Tibetan monastery where I was teaching English to the Tibetan monks. And uh, the reason this involved sort of, you know, upgrading my communication skills is that when I got there, I discovered they didn't speak any English. And so we just didn't have a, um, we didn't have any language to communicate with. So I had to use body language and tone of voice to, uh, to connect with them and to teach them. And over the course of six months, I was able to teach them how to have a good conversation with me in English. And I was just fascinated by this power to connect with people non-verbally. And it's way beyond what most people think. So if some people think about body language, they think, oh, you mean folding your arms or you mean scratching your nose or lie detection. And actually, it's way beyond that, that there's a way that we have connected and communicated for many, many thousands of years before anybody had a common language to use. And so that's what I was starting to tap into. And so I kept on studying that. Uh, I've published my own research on communication as well and gradually built up a company where we're working with people around uh, communication, storytelling. And one of the key areas, of course, is mindset. Because what I've started to realize with people is that sometimes people know what they want to say in a situation. They know what they need to do, but they just can't. There's something in their mindset that is holding them back. And so we've we've invested a lot of time in helping people with mindset uh, over the last few years. And especially during the lockdown, especially during the pandemic, so many people came to us saying they were struggling. They had targets to hit. They they were homeschooling their children and they were just feeling drained and burned out. So uh, that's been a big area for us recently. Brilliant, brilliant. That that's a, an amazing story. I mean, to to actually get up, you know, get the age of eighteen and and go, you know, traveling. Did, did that take quite a lot of courage? It really did, yeah. And it's something that I just I didn't plan it. It was there was no sort of big plan from a young age that I must go on this adventure. It yeah. was just that uh, when I got to that age, I realized that I. I just wasn't feeling excited by the plans that were put out before me. My school and my parents, my family were very encouraging, saying, look, you're very academic. There's so much that you could do if you just go to university and maybe become an accountant or something, you'll succeed there. And I, I, I feel like I had this strong inner urge, this calling within me to yeah. say, go somewhere and help people who really need some help. And by doing so, you'll get an adventure of personal develop, development and growth as well. And so uh, <laughs> I think that I was also quite naive at the time. My, my friends had <laughs> made, placed a bet. All of them placed this bet that I would yeah. be back home within 10 days. Uh, so that was the longest bet anyone made on me. So I thought I have to stay at this, <laughs> on this adventure for at least 
11 days um, <laughs> because if I don't, then, you know, I'm never going to, uh, I'm never, <laughs> never going to get this uh, bet one. And so by the time I'd been there for that long, uh, you know, everything was fine. Uh, and, I, and I managed to stay out there. But yeah, I think it was a bit of naivety at the time as well as some courage. That, 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 that's, that's amazing. And, and, you know, obviously you, you were there and you, you were teaching them English. And I, and I know that, you know, when you're teaching anybody anything or training, you know, it's always a two-way relationship. So what, what did you feel like you got back from the monks themselves? Oh, so much from them. I mean, I think um, it, it was just tremendous spending time with these monks because they had this extraordinary inner peace and extraordinary joy about them, even though these were Tibetans living in exile. They had been moved out of their own country uh, and forced to sort of find somewhere else to live. And yet they had these smiling faces and this inner tranquility every day. And they, first of all, showed me how to do deep listening. They, they would genuinely listen uh, like on tender hooks to what I was saying. When we got to this point where you know, they knew some English and I, I learned Nepali with them as well. So we had a few words we could go back and forth with. But I noticed even with each other, when they listened, uh, they would just sit and nod and contemplate each other and then sit maybe in a few moments of silence before then responding. There was never like I'm listening to, to then respond or I'm, I'm listening to wait for you to stop talking so I can respond. There was none of that. There was this inner tranquility in them, which was beautiful to see. Um, but, uh, you know, to see that joyfulness was amazing for me when I was 18 because I'd grown up in a, you know, a relatively uh, comfortable, uh, you know, upper middle class background where I never really wanted for anything. And there they were in a place where before I arrived, actually the very day that I arrived, they got hot water for the first time. And before that they had freezing cold water uh, all of the time. And they had, they had just, you know, one or two sets of robes. They would eat um, cold, dry bread for breakfast. Uh, and, and yet they were joyful. Uh, and, and that was a tremendous lesson for me, you know, in my late teenage years uh, to see what that was like, how they generated that state of mind each day. It's the simplicity of life, isn't it? You know, and it's, it's quite interesting what you just said then, because, you know, the, the old adage of we've got two ears and one mouth and you should use them in that proportion, you know, to actually really listen to somebody sensibly, understand and show genuine interest, it, it, it's a, it is an art. and. And I guess that's, you know, something that they were able to focus in on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as we talk about your mindset and, you know, you mentioned that you're now developing the mindset of others. So why would you say mindset is so important to you? I think, uh, you know, I've. I've gone through a huge journey with with mindset through my years uh, of uh, facing you know major ups and downs uh, times of life where for many years in a row everything seemed to be going great and life was going in the right direction and also having years where that wasn't happening and uh, you know I've I've been in my mindset to get you know quite serious for a moment I've been in in a very dark place a couple of times uh, where there was a couple of moments in my life where I've strongly considered and been planning my own suicide. And so, you know, I recognize for myself and for others that mindset is absolutely critical 
to make sure that you are looking after yourself and therefore looking after the impact that you have on others and the legacy that you leave after after you've left this place. And so uh, I've, I've realized through trial and error and also learning and discovering what works for others, what works for me to empower my mindset and therefore tools I can share for others to make sure that they are living their best life and being the best version of themselves uh, each and every day. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, there were, there were certainly moments where I deeply struggled. And what I've noticed about that for myself and others is that the, the deepest moments of struggle have tended to be when I am focused on me, what's happening for me in my life. What do I need? What do I want? What do I feel like I'm missing right now? Yeah. And those are the moments of a downward negative spiral. Uh, as I've experienced it. Whereas when I'm having an upward positive spiral, I have an outward focus. What am I doing for others? How do I serve them? What impact am I having? Uh, what, is, what are other people's, people need from me? What can I be grateful for outside of myself? So this outward versus inward approach has been a very useful way for me to understand what has worked for me and what has not worked for me. I think uh, overall, my, my mindset has always been, uh, I think, extraordinarily ambitious. And it's something that I, I, I'm just coming to terms with understanding, you know, what is this autism diagnosis that I recently got? And uh, it, there's a very, very broad spectrum. So the way that it impacts yeah. me is going to be very different to how it impacts uh, other people. But I have found in the research that people who are diagnosed autistic are more likely to commit suicide and they're also more likely to have extraordinary ambitions. So that sort of ties in pretty well uh, with what I've found. But with those ambitions, in order to, you know, have them sit well uh, in my mind uh, i found it extremely important to do daily uh, visualizations and daily yeah. mindfulness uh, to to set myself up for uh, success and also for peace in my mind and to enjoy the journey because so many people if someone's listening to this might relate to if they are a highly ambitious person that can mean that you are restless until you achieve the goal which means that you spend you know 99% of your life not really enjoying it and 1% thinking great that was fantastic then what's next? Uh, so uh, making sure that my mindset is in a good place to enjoy each day and to, to enjoy the moments uh, of uh, achievement has been a big journey for me too. That's, that's absolutely brilliant advice. And, you know, as you say, we're getting your diagnosis recently and, and dealing with that and obviously setting your mindset up for success. You know, how, how, how did it that actually feel when you, you, you first found that out? Was, was it difficult to deal with or was it, ah, uh, that makes sense? It was, you know, it was a funny uh, journey for me, actually, because it's it started maybe about maybe about five to 10 years before the diagnosis came in. I got like the little whisper of the fact that uh, this might be the case uh, where it was a couple of friends of ours uh, came over for dinner with my wife and I. And they were talking about they had recently, uh, you know, checked on uh, where they measured on sort of an autism scale because they yeah. are planning to have a child and they had autism in their family. And so they wanted to see, well, is this something genetically that they might pass on? And so they'd done this test and they said, hey, you, you guys could do it. It's like a fun sort of thing to do around the dinner table. And they found this website and they said, you know, why don't you, you do your test? And uh, with this test, there's a scale you could get on points from zero to 50. And if you scored between sort of 40 to 50, it means you're neurotypical, nothing to worry about. And yeah. so we all did it together. And there was, I don't know, 200 questions you had to answer. And all of them scored like 45, 47, 48 points. And my score came back and I scored five out of 50. Wow, five. And when that, 
when that happened, I genuinely thought that they had, uh, that I'd been punked. Yeah, they had sort of set this up, <laughs> but they were answering, you know, they were answering. It, it was sort of obvious to me when I did the test, what, how do you need to answer these questions to appear neurotypical? And I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to answer genuinely. And then I, so I thought maybe they hadn't done it anyway. So I, I sort of put it to one side thinking, well, that's ridiculous, obviously. I'm not autistic. That's crazy. No one's ever said that to me. Um, and then uh, there was a lady who I interviewed uh, when this was a few years ago, maybe four or yeah, four or five years ago. Uh, and she was a specialist in early stage development for children with communication. Yeah. And uh, she said that there's 90% um, of people develop communication skills with no problem. Uh, two and a half percent have a permanent challenge, such as permanent hearing loss. And she said the other seven and a half percent are the people she works with who have a challenge of sorts that they will need to work on and manage throughout their lives. And I was after I did that podcast interview with her. So I said to her, I think I'm in that group. I've never thought about it, but how you described it seems to be describing me. So thoughts were wearing away from me for, for a while. And yeah. then it was eventually during the pandemic, I thought, you know, I really should look into this and just check it out. And so I went through this whole process of as a, it starts off, I worked with a lady who is head of her country for autism diagnosis for the past 30 years. So I went with a like top expert yeah. and she yeah. then gave me, I did this 12 pages worth of written responses around my life, my childhood, how I deal with situations. We then had, I think it was an initial hour or 90 minutes of assessment, followed by another four hours assessment a couple of, uh, a couple of months later, all of which then led to this diagnosis. And I think in the first 30 seconds when she said this diagnosis is official, there was part of me that thought, hang on, does that mean there's something wrong with me? Do, do, yeah. am I, do I have a weakness here that I need to be afraid of? And, you know, when that moment lifted, when I thought, hang on a second, no, it's not, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It just says, this is who you are. Um, it was very freeing because it was almost like I was able to roll back over the previous 40 years yeah. uh, seeing, oh, ha hang on a second. That's why this situation happened. That's why I reacted this way. That's why people respond to me like this. Um, and it was as if I suddenly had clarity on what it was and the place that I've come to with it, which, you know, to put people's mind at rest, if they've had a diagnosis on this, or if they are concerned that they may have, or if they people, they know people around them who may um, be diagnosed in this way, is to say that I, I don't actually, in my case, I don't see it as a challenge. I don't see it as a limiting factor at all. I just yeah. see it that I have a different lens on communication, interactions, people than someone who's neurotypical will do. And that's hugely beneficial. And it's very beneficial to my clients because it means when I coach them on communication, I see it from a completely different perspective than them, which has allowed me to analyze communication and understand it in nuances that most people would never need to think about. And I can then share them with clients. So I, you know, I often say, if someone comes to me saying they want to have more gravitas, then I can say to them, okay, based on all the analysis and the science and research that's out there and the pieces that I have looked at with thousands of clients, these are the two or three elements you're currently missing. Let's put those into place in your communication style and hey, presto, you have gravitas, uh, which sort of looks like magic when I'm coaching clients, but yeah. I say to them, it's just analysis that I've done for, for four decades uh, on you know, what communication is really about. That's, 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 that's amazing. You know, obviously to go from diagnosis and understanding and 
And also when you think about it, you know, as somebody was saying to me recently, it's not so much a superpower, but you know, you've got that different way of looking at things that other people don't mm-hmm. have. So when you can use that and tap into that and then help people, you know, that's, that's an amazing story as well. Some, some brilliant advice. Um, so, so, so on, on the basis of everything that we've been talking about, how would you actually describe your mindset? Um, yeah, how would I describe my mindset? Uh, that's, that's, that's an interesting question. There's so many things I would say about it. You know, I would say that I have a, um, in an average day, I have a joyful mindset. I have a very driven mindset and ambitious uh, mindset, but I also have a service mindset. And that, that's really at the core of everything. So if I think about what I'm focused on from when I get up in the morning to when I go to bed at night, I am focused on uh, serving my family, serving my team, uh, serving my clients, serving the charities that we support, everything for me, uh, it comes out from a sense of service. And I know yeah. that when I am feeling at my best, that's where I am. And if I'm not feeling great, then it's because I'm, I'm in behaviors that are not back to that core uh, of my mindset. And so, you know, when I am in that position of service, I feel driven, I feel ambitious for what I want to help people achieve of how I want to serve. I feel joyful because serving others uh, brings me energy. And as an example on this, uh, you know, I was dealing with a a tough situation uh, in my business recently, uh, difficult conversations that were happening. And, uh, you know, one of my team has said, I'm sorry to have this conversation with you just before you're about to go on stage with uh, with clients at a few hundred people who are waiting for me. And I said, it's, it's no issue. When I go on stage with people, um, I'm there existing to, to lift them yeah. in, in order to serve them. And that in turn lifts me. That's, you know, that's what life is all about for me. It's, it's uh, when I'm, when I'm working with clients, it feels like a meditation, a very exhilarating meditation uh, where I, I am left on a high buy it and I'm aiming to leave them on a high buy it uh, as well. So I, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, makes makes complete sense. You know, I, I I love the phrase that in any situation you should be a service to yourself, and if you're a service to yourself, you will be a service to other people. If they if that mm. makes sense. So um, mm. no, that's, that's that's brilliant. And look, looking at then practical tips or techniques that you might use to to for that service mindset or for your mindset each and every day. Are, are, there, are there any that spring to mind? Uh, sure. Yeah. So. Uh, there's a few things that I do to work on my mindset, which work for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm open to say that I think different strategies work for different people. It depends on, you know, on your situation. But here's what works for me is that I have a morning routine that starts the day before. Yeah. So uh, in the evening, uh, I, I always make sure that I get to bed at a good time where I can be, uh, you know, reading something useful. But before I go to bed, I have a, a hot and a cold flask that I prepare for myself. So the hot flask is um, uh, hot uh, lemon water, about half a lemon, uh, sometimes uh, using some apple cider vinegar in there as well. So that's a nice hot flask that I prepare. So that the first thing I, I do when I wake up in the morning, uh, I'm able to give myself that. It's highly alkalizing. It's a great way to, to, um, hydrate myself first thing in the morning and I don't have to think about it I'm not waking up thinking oh what are the good habits I must get into this morning I wake up and immediately it's there by the bed I don't have to think so I'm straight away into good habits to start the day nourishing myself and then I'll go for a run or I'll I'll work out I'll lift weights something like that so that I've hydrated I've done something that is serving my body and I'll also listen to music 
that allows me to set up my mindset for the day. If I want to get into a high energy state, I can listen to high energy music. If I want to get into a state of gratitude or feeling more uh, soulful or sage-like that day, I can listen to music that is appropriate, that starts to set me up in that rhythm, in that mood. And once I've done that, I then reward myself with the cold flask I've created, uh, which is my morning smoothie that's got all the nourishment that I could really need for the rest of the morning. And so by doing that, I've done what I need to do to lift my mindset, to lift my spirit, lift my physical states, my emotional state. So I'm then ready to be serving other people. And uh, so I find that by doing that, having that prepared, making sure that the night before it's all ready. I also you know, put ready my workout clothes, or if I'm going to be lifting weights, yeah. I have them all set and ready so that in the morning, there's no debate. There's no decisions to be made. It's just going to happen. I'm going to lift myself and then I'm ready to lift and serve others for the rest of the day. Uh, that's, that, that's great advice. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lover of a, a good morning routine as well and waking up and thinking about being the best version of yourself. So that, that, that's great advice. So, so you know, I, over the years, you know, you're talking about the, the, the 40 years plus that, you know, you developed your mindset. Who's actually helped develop your mindset? Because I know obviously the, the trip to Tibet would have been a big help in developing the mindset that you've got today. But are there, are there any other people or things or books that have shaped your mindset? Yeah, there's certainly some people who along the way have, have helped me. And one person I would love to give a shout out to is um, my hairdresser, Tony. <laughs> so kind of maybe an unusual story. But what happened was that I was, uh, I was living in Putney in London and I needed to get a haircut. So I wandered along to this uh, hairdressing salon and they booked me in with this guy who I didn't realize at the time was the head of that salon, but also head of learning and development for the entire group of hair salons where they had about, I think about 30 salons at the time and they've, they've grown to 50 or 100 now. Yeah. Um, but uh, he had a brilliant mindset. Um, he was very much into personal development and hence being head of learning and development for the group. And but the particular lesson that I gained from him, not only was he really you know, happy and spirited and when challenges came up, I, not, I was able to observe him, not just hear him talk about it, but observe from him how he kept himself in a sort of bright and steady state uh, in those moments when there was panic or confusion in the salon uh, around him, people arriving late, people arriving early, not having products, and he would just deal with it in a, this very sort of serene kind of way. But the most important lesson I got from him is that as I sat in his chair at the hair salon, he would ask me, you know, who are you? What, what do you do? What, what's interesting for you? And I was talking to him about having taught the monks and how I was studying acting and I was interested in communication. And he said, I know what I'm going to do. I, I believe you'd be an amazing teacher for my hairdressers. I'm going to book in a session. I'm going to give you a free haircut today so you can show up and just do it like an hour or two with my uh, trainee hairdressers to give them confidence give them communication give them a bit of presence and gravitas and all these sorts of things i know you're going to be brilliant at it and i'd never done that before I, you know i taught some monks but i hadn't taught anybody else yeah and yeah. Uh, and i immediately I, I sort of nodded and smiled and i left the salon thinking i'm never going back in that place again i have to find <laughs> a hairdresser because i'm too scared to do what he's seen and then about six weeks later i thought he's probably forgotten i went back in and while I was having my hair cut, he was like, oh, yeah, you're going to do that teaching session. Uh, you're doing it next week. I've booked it in for Tuesday. Just show up. And so I'd lost all, like six weeks of preparation I could have had around this. I didn't have suddenly at about four days. And uh, I then went and did this session. 
And the people I trained absolutely loved it and said, when are you coming back? Can you come back next week and do more? Brilliant. And I thought, well, I've just, I've just shared everything I can think of. I don't have anything else to say, but I created something else and I did it. And then eventually uh, there was an, uh, an engineering company, head of an engineering company who called me up and he said, I've just had my hair cut today. And my, my hairdresser said, you're this amazing communication coach. Could you come and coach my team? And I said, sure. And I went to, to work with him and uh, they absolutely loved it word of mouth started to spread and so on but the piece that i learned about mindset from my hairdresser from this whole experience is that he saw my greatness this is how i sort of express it to people and every time you can do this for somebody you can empower their mindsets uh, to expand their poten- potential of anything they thought that they could achieve. And so seeing someone's greatness as he did within me, he saw something that I didn't believe I could do. He saw potential I didn't believe that I had. And, and bear in mind, at this time, I was actually looking for, for work. And I had gone to a recruitment agency that was literally three doors down from where their salon was. And I'd gone in saying, look, I need some work. Uh, you know, I was trying to get work as an actor and wasn't sure what else. And they said, the only job we can give you is lifting furniture. You're not qualified to do anything else. And I thought, surely, like, I've got right. my education, I've got my GCSEs, I've got my A-levels, yeah. I've got a diploma. There must be something else, like, you know, I can do sales or advertising. And they said, no, 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 the only possible thing you can get is lifting furniture. And it was, you know, maybe a week later that I got my hair cut and he saw my greatness, as I, as I explain it. He saw my potential. And he said, I see this in you, even when I didn't see it myself. And as a result of that, I did, you know, trained the, these hairdressers, word of mouth spread trained this engineering company, I got a website up, and now we've trained 120,000 people. And it was all because he saw my greatness. So I always aim to do that with my clients. I feel that's my responsibility. I will see the potential they have before they can see it for themselves. Because by doing that, uh, it it allows them to expand their mindset, their potential, and the impact that they'll have after I've worked with them. That's brilliant, Richard. Brilliant. And, And what an amazing story. And, and go, going from one story, maybe, maybe to another, because and I was going to ask, and I, I do ask those that, that come on the podcast, is have you got any funny stories on your travels and your adventures around the world? Uh, oh, good question. Uh, <laughs> so many, uh, I guess. I'm not sure how, uh, if, if these stories are related to, uh, to mindset or not. That's okay. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, what can I tell you that might be in any way related? Uh, th- there is a fun story that my... Um, <laughs> my uh, my kids like me to tell, so so I'll tell it, and if it's relevant, great. And if it's not, you can always cut it out. Uh, but they but they call this the uh, the chili pasta story. So so what happened? I used to work in a restaurant uh, where um, you know we used to have fun and entertain the, the people who came in, and uh, this this one guy came in and he was sitting there and he said uh, he said I want something spicy, and I said okay, well the hottest thing we got on the menu is the the Thai. Uh, red chili pasta and he said look nothing's ever hot enough for me so could, could you just um could you tell the chefs in the kitchen that nothing has ever been hot enough and see what they can do to come up with something so, so i wrote this down on the notepad and i went back into the kitchen and i said okay who wants to have some fun who wants the challenge here and these two guys came over and i said this guy says no matter where he's been in the world he's never had anything that is hot enough and so they just started rubbing their hands, looking at each other with glee. And so they put together the basic ingredients of this sort of uh, this Thai chili pasta. And uh, then they got two bottles of Tabasco sauce. 
and emptied both bottles into the pasta. They then took out some uh, some chilies, chopped them up very finely, and then the uh, the the oil that was in the jar of chilies they poured in as well, and uh, a couple of other things. And then they started to mix this together. And no exaggeration, it looked like it was glowing on the plate. It sort of had this like sort of red steamy glow. And so as I went out to, to take it. Uh, to this guy, the chefs were like, are you taking it now? Are you gonna, are you gonna take it? Uh, can, can we see, can we, can we see what's happening? So they, they then snuck out around the back of the bar area so they could see when I gave him this stuff, just poking their heads out. So I planted the, his food down and he looked at me like, this is never gonna be hot enough for me. And he started eating it. And uh, I came back to check on him maybe three minutes later, and you could see the um, the chefs who was just hiding behind the bar were <laughs> rolling on the floor, finding the situation hilarious. He looked like he had steam coming out of his ears. He was using everyone's napkin to wipe the sweat that was pouring off of his face. He was glowing red like a beetroot. And he said to me, he sort of grabbed my arm, he said, thank you, somebody has finally beaten me. <laughs> he was actually, really grateful for the extraordinary pain wow. he was going through each to their own yeah absolutely not for me that's for sure yeah that that's that's a great story richard brilliant brilliant yeah, um, so, so you know to talk talking about what, what you currently do then you know just hmm. uh, as a start to conclude and what i will ask you for is is kind of a a last piece of advice for the listeners but just just explaining your business and what it's all about just just to conclude Sure. Yes. Yeah. So, so in my business, uh, we primarily help people with communication, often working with leaders who need to uh, cascade messages. They need to inspire their team. They need to be an ambassador of their company, uh, working with clients to, to pitch or to build relationships, all of these things. So we work through that whole piece of body language, voice, storytelling, objection, handling, slides, pitching for something, conflict resolution, questioning and listening skills, good connection and relationship skills, uh, as well as helping people to speak on stage and do a speech at a conference, all those sorts of pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, to, to give people a, a final piece of advice uh, on this, the key thing that I'm always talking to people about is to make sure right at the core of that, you can have all the communication techniques you want, you can have all those sort of skills going for you, but what you need underneath it is internal validation. So if you're, if you're looking to reframe your mindset, and so I'm sure you are listening to this podcast, what I'd always say to people is whatever you're doing, whatever achievements you're going for, whatever tasks you're working on, don't look for external validation of people saying you did a great job or people clapping or people giving you the, uh, uh, the, the sales pitch, giving you the job. Uh, any of those things that takes you into external validation and it places your mindset in other people's hands. Instead, I was always, uh, I always teach people how to have internal validation, making sure you're rooted on your core values, your core principles and living those out every day. Because when you do that, whether you get the applause or not, you know that you are rooted in being who you believe you need to be. And it, it, it avoids that tendency we have of like we post on social media and check 10 minutes later if anyone's liked it, which leads to external validation and stress. So just have that internal validation would be my last thought. Uh, and if anybody wants to gain extra resources from us, they can come to uh, our website. Uh, it's ukbodytalk.com. We have a resources page. There's loads of free videos on there, uh, interviews with experts from around the world, articles as well, if people want to uh, learn a bit more. 
that's that's brilliant richard um once again great advice so um, many thanks for, for coming on the, the the podcast i've really enjoyed it it's been really insightful so many thanks you're welcome thanks very much paul What a great episode of Reframe Your Mindset for Success. It's amazing spending time with Richard and listening to his story of spending time with monks at the age of 18 in India teaching them English and you know, what he learned from the monks as well. The fact that Richard shared with us you know, his autism journey and how it's helped shape his life, you know, even though he didn't know he was autistic when he was younger, it's helped to develop his career with his passion for communication. Him talking about mindset being critical to his success and that to empower his mindset, he doesn't focus on me, he focuses on others. That's the best way to then have a healthy mindset through this service mindset of serving his family, his team and charities. It's that sense of service mindset. So it's been brilliant having Richard on today and I'm going to leave you with this. Free.